listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. All right, so I, I'm, uh, if you knew me uh, as a child or as a young man, you might think I'm like the oddest person to um, deliver a talk on courage because I think I was not born with a lot of courage. If anything, uh, it was instilled into me a fair amount of risk aversion. Um, my dad liked to take risk and would always do it, um, but often um, experience difficulties and challenges, even failures after taking some risk. And so my mom would always kind of tell me, man, you know, when you take a lot of risk, you can really suffer. And so I was kind of, it was ingrained in me to not take risk, to, to play it safe. And that's a big part of, I think, I don't know, who I am. I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a risk taker. I, I kind of take, take um, take the safe route. Courage, though, I believe is a necessary affection um, for friendship. Like, it takes courage to be, to kind of put yourself out there. And I'm not just talking in terms of our interpersonal friendships, uh, which I think that's important, but to be part of a church, to be a part of a family, to be a part of a team at work, um, it takes some courage. And in our, in our call to worship this morning, uh, so great to see Cassie uh, up there in, in Maine. But that passage that Paul says to Timothy about God not giving us a spirit of timidity, but of sound mind and of courage, I think is true. I think to live the Christian life requires us, even people like me who have a strong risk aversion, to kind of tether that a bit and trust in God and step out and take risk. I think, I think risk-taking is a big part of what it means to, to have courage. I want to, if you'll let me just for a minute, I, I, sometimes I think we come kind of week to week and you might hear the lesson, the sermon, or the, the songs we sing, the prayers we pray, the scriptures we read, as kind of a self-contained uh, unit. Like, that's what I learned this Sunday. Maybe, um, you know, we do these series. Obviously, we're doing this series right now on friends, the one where everybody's welcome. What does it mean for us to be a church? But even those series are part of a longer arc that we're wanting to kind of say to you, to help kind of shape you. And this year, it really started for us at Easter when we had our series on a more Christ-like God. Like, that is foundational for who we are. Like, we, the reason we're here is not because we had nothing else to do on a Sunday morning. We've come here to worship God. We've come here to express our love for God and our love for one another and to kind of be in service of God. But who is this God that we serve? Well, we believe that this God that we serve is like Christ that Christ is the revelation of who God is. And so our Easter series, A More Christ-Like God, 
was intended to kind of drive that home. That if you want to know who God is or what God is like, we can look to Christ. And that is our example. That series then was a great segue into our summer series on life in the spirit. That that same God now infills us. Paul will say to the Ephesians that he prays that the fullness of God dwells within them. That's almost heretical, isn't it? The fullness of God dwells in us? What a statement. What a, what a beautiful and awesome and almost confounding thing to say. That he prays that the fullness of God would dwell within us. But that's exactly what we believe. That that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now quickens our mortal, mortal bodies. So this, when I was growing up, this was the part of courage or boldness that I often heard. That Jesus said, uh, when my spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The idea was that what the spirit would do for us is it would make us bold. We sang the song earlier, you make us brave. And God does make us brave. And that kind of drives us into it, to, to, to life, to taking some risk, to getting out of the boat, to walking on the water, to kind of moving beyond our comfort zone, which I think, again, is quintessential for being Christian. So a more Christ-like God segues into a life in the spirit, which then segues into where we find ourselves now in this series on friends. This is, this is who we are to one another. This is who we are to our families and our coworkers. This is who we are to our community. And all of these things that we've been speaking about, like the one with the pineapple, where we talked about hospitality. Hospitality isn't an option. Hospitality is what we are called to. Like, we have to be a hospitable church. And, and being a hospitable church is not like, in what way, when I come into Oasis, are people hospitable to me? <laughs> We're missing the point, right? It's the ways in which you can be hospitable. Right? That's the call. Not just the ways in which the church can kind of serve us, but the ways in which we can kind of come into the church and we can find a place to serve. And one of the ways you can do that is to be hospitable. Now, Maybe that means you volunteer for um, the hospitality team or you volunteer for the uh, cafe team. But maybe it just means that when you come, you speak to people at grace and peace. You offer grace and peace. That you pray. That when you hear the prayer requests on Sunday mornings, those don't just kind of go one ear and out the other. But throughout the week, that's part of your prayer life. I'm not, I'm not trying to be heavy-handed here, but I am saying I have an expectation that you aren't just spectators, that you are participants, that you are the people that show hospitality. That was the one with the pineapple. Within the, the one with the towel, right, about service. There are lots of ways to serve. Hospitality is one of them. But we serve first God, but you can't serve God in abstraction. Right? You have to serve God in kind of concrete ways. 
And the way you serve God in concrete ways is by serving people, by serving creation, like that which God made. So there's actual folk, right, that need help or need encouragement or need service. And we do that. We, we, that's what led into our discussion on gratitude, right? The one with the note. We gave you all notes. If, if by, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you took a note that morning and you haven't written it and mailed it, it's not too late, right? We gave you that note not to say thank you, although I do thank you, but so that you would become the kind of person that is thankful that you would send that note. I actually got one of those notes. It came in the mail. It was that thank you note that I'd given away. Someone wrote on it and sent it to me. I said, thank you, Robbie, for you know, being you. I'm like, oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> but we, we dedicated children the next week. Uh, children up on the stage and then kind of a general dedication for all the children that were in the room because that represents hope. So all of these things do fit together, right? Hospitality, service, gratitude, hope. Last week on compassion, right, where we talked about the patron saint of neighborliness, Fred Rogers. And so courage fits into that line. It's, it's like gratitude and, and hope and hospitality. Look, it's interesting that Jesus, Jesus seems to shirk a bit or, 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 or cringe a bit at what he's facing. Like this, this passage in, in Mark that, that we heard this morning, it's just, I mean, it's one thing to focus on the disciples who kept sleeping, right? Jesus kept coming back and they were asleep and he's like, hey, fellas, I need you to stay awake. I need you to pray for me. And we can get to that. But, but even before we get there, we have Jesus himself saying, take this cup from me. Let's, let's go a different path. Like, surely there's a better way than me staying here in Jerusalem and facing the inevitable, right? Which is a painful death. And he needs his friends. He needs his friends in his time of need to pray with him and to pray for him. It's a little much for them, I guess. So I don't want to kind of just beat up on the disciples that were, were sleeping that night when Jesus wanted them up and praying. Although it, there is a lesson there too to be learned, I think. But I do, I do want to focus on the fact that Jesus himself seems to be praying for courage. Or at the very least, it's in his prayer that he moves from his position of Father, not this, to Father, let's do this. So maybe that's what we need, right? Maybe we just need more prayer. We need, we need like Jesus, to pray to the Father, to say, fill us with courage. So maybe that's the true for maybe all of these affections that we're talking about. Like, what does it mean to be a good friend which is also what it means to be a good church member, right? Or to be a good family member, or to be a good team member at work, or to be a good neighbor. 
right? These affections aren't things that we have to generate in and of ourselves, but we can just ask God, God, help me to be more hospitable. God, fill me, make me a person of service. Fill me with gratitude. Fill me with hope. Fill me with compassion. Fill me with courage. Courage, I really believe, is a quintessential aspect of what it means to follow Christ. Jesus will say, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And just in case you didn't know, taking up a cross is no light matter. It's a heavy matter. I mean, it, it, it takes some effort. So uh, thank you, Grayson, and, and thank you, Cecily, for coming up. I was very glad for you to be a part of tasting those odd things. But Sean, now knowing that you have a little bit of a weak stomach and you agreeing nevertheless to come up and taste that, thank you, thank you. That is good, good stuff, brother. I really, really appreciate it. So I have a few things that I think might help us along this path of courage. Ways to think about what courage is and then how we actually get there. So first, you should know this, that feeling fear yet choosing to act, that's a definition of courage. Feel, feeling fear yet choosing to act. Like, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the presence of bravery in the face of fear. So for those of you who are Game of Thrones fans, uh, Bran asked his father, um, Lord Stark, if, if he was um, afraid when he went into battle. And, and his dad, or Bran said, can a man still be brave when he's afraid? And his dad said, that is the only time a man can be brave. You can only be brave when you are afraid. Because again, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the presence of bravery in the face of it. There is an old proverb, I'm not even exactly sure where it comes from, that says fear and courage are brothers. I love that. Nelson Mandela said this, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave person is not the one who does not feel afraid, but the one who conquers that fear. And perhaps one of the most famous brave characters of all literature, the cowardly lion, as we know him from The Wizard of Oz, Frank Baum says, there is, no one, there is no living thing that is not afraid when it faces danger. The true courage is in facing danger when you are afraid. So keep that in mind. If you're, it's, not a, it's not a problem if you're afraid. It is a problem if you let the fear conquer you instead of you conquering your fear. A corollary, a corollary to this is that you just have to follow your heart. Being brave, having courage, is kind of following your heart. Ralph, um, excuse me, Steve Jobs, in his now kind of famous commencement speech to Stanford, which I've seen a couple of times now, this is back in 2005, he said this, and the most important, and most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. 
or maybe my favorite philosopher, Soren Kierkegaard, says, to dare to lose one's footing momentarily, to not dare is to lose oneself. Let me say that one again. To dare is to lose one's footing momentarily. To not dare is to lose oneself. Man, I love that. Next, and this is another corollary as well, persevering in the face of adversity. To have courage is not only to be brave in the face of fear, but it is to kind of maintain that bravery. Like we can't be brave momentarily. We, we've got to lean in and it's got to be kind of held on to. So persevering in the face of adversity. Ralph Waldo Emerson says, a hero is no braver than an ordinary person, but a hero is braver for five minutes longer. Gosh, I love that. A hero is not braver than someone else, but a hero is braver for just a little bit longer. Not shirking back. Just imagine if Jesus would have shirked back and said, all right, fellas, I know you're, I know you're tired, but we got to get out of here. We got to get back to Galilee. If we stay here, they're going to kill me. Mark Twain, one of my favorites, says it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Another corollary to courage is standing up for what is right. This, is what, this, I think, takes a lot of courage, and maybe this is the type of courage or one of the types of courage we need most in our society. You know, yesterday we commemorated the 20th anniversary of what happened on 9-11. And when I look back at the way in which the United States responded to that event and the way in which we seemed to care for one another, even if we disagreed, even if we had different perspectives, right? Different political perspectives, different religious perspectives, different cultural perspectives, but we nevertheless seem to think that we should care for one another. I forgot what that was like because it's now seems so different than the way we behave. It's not what I see when I turn on the news. It's not what I hear when I go to a coffee shop and I kind of listen to other conversations in the room. We have to stand up for what's right. Sometimes standing against evil is more important than defeating it. Uh, uh, author writes, the greatest heroes stand because it is the right to do so. It is right to do so not because they believe they will walk away with their lives. Such selfless courage is a victory in itself. We've got to resist these things that are pulling us apart. Man, it's quiet in here. You, you can agree with me. We have to resist these things that are pulling us apart. Thanks. Stand up for what it's right. Next, our, our next point is expanding your horizon and letting go of the familiar. Lord Chesterfield says, man cannot discover new oceans unless he has the courage to lose sight of the shore. 
We can't discover new oceans unless we have the courage to lose sight of the shore. This takes some courage. The courage to be and the courage to change. We might not know what it would be like if we lived that way. And we're more comfortable the way we are. But we have to, we have to be willing to get away from the norm, to see what might be. And again, I don't, I don't know if, if I'm misreading the room or if I'm just overreading my own feelings. Like, I'm feeling apprehensive. I'm, I'm the one that has the aversion to risk. Like, can, can any of this be true? <laughs> I don't know. I hope so. Lastly, I believe a courage is facing, facing suffering with dignity and or faith. Courage is facing suffering with dignity or faith. Viktor Frankl says, There is no need to be ashamed of tears, for tears bear witness that a man has the greatest courage, the courage to suffer. Man, certainly maybe that's where we are. And what I had hoped was going to be kind of a post-COVID, or at the very least late COVID, who knows? We might just be mid-COVID. But I hate it. And I hate what it's done to us. Not just that it's made people sick and, and even some have died, but the way in which it's kind of pulled, again, pulled us away from one another. About conversations about the vaccine and practices like social distancing or wearing our mask. Just be courageous. Courageous enough to care. Courageous enough to stay engaged. Courageous enough not to step back. Courageous enough to lean in. You know, <clears throat> when, people, when people are courageous, we sometimes give them medals. And we have a medal for you. That are, um, we have folks that are coming around and going to give you a little medal to take home today. And you can, you can wear this medal. It's a pretty common one. It's a little gold cross. Or you can just carry it with you if you don't want to wear it. You can carry it with you as like a reminder, a reminder of how to live. A reminder that Jesus said, as I said before, if you want to be my disciple, you have to Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Taking up your cross, of course, didn't mean wearing a lapel pin. <laughs> take up your cross meant bearing the suffering of the Roman cross. Sometimes we, I've heard ministers say in my life, they've told me, you know, Jesus died on the cross so you wouldn't have to. That's wrong. Jesus did not die on the cross so you wouldn't have to. Jesus died on the cross to show you how to. If you want to be Jesus' disciple, you have to live a life like Christ. If you want to be Christian, you are worshiping a Christ-like God. 
You are to be filled with the Spirit so that you can now live the life that Christ lived. And Christ lived a life that he sacrificed for others. So that now we too are to be those who live a life of sacrifice. That's what it means to be a friend. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.